This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Place to Be Nation, welcome back to another wonderful, fantastical, magical said fantastical already. Dang it. I was going to say it again. <laughs> Birds are hard. They are so difficult. Right? We need to rename this podcast to Words Are Hard. <laughs> but when I say we, obviously I'm not alone. I uh, am your host. This is Bells of Books. And my name is Miranda Berthold. But I am here with one of my lovely, beautiful, fantastic, real-life best friends. Bianca. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How's the winter over there? Uh, it, well, I woke up to a little bit of snow this morning. Um, <gasps> Already? Yeah, it was gone really quickly, though. And it didn't consistently stay cold enough throughout the day, so it's just been cold and rainy all day. Uh, Caden woke up too late and didn't see any of it. He was very disappointed. <laughs> Poor Caden. <laughs> if you think about it, when you go 14 years of your life, because he was 14 when we moved to Europe, gone 14 years of your life without ever really having snow except for those couple of freak times in Alabama and then we would go visit family because in Kentucky we get snow um yeah he 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 had never really experienced it so he eats he eats it up when it snows he loves it he loves it well it'll come yeah it's coming well how is your I don't have many seasons or I have all seasons in one day weather today is pretty mild um which i woke up this morning freezing but then it's gotten like warmer throughout the day like now i'm in a t-shirt so it's all good which is supposed to be cold for thanksgiving so i'm looking forward to that because i want to wear one of my big chunky sweaters i am in a full sweatsuit and it is 40 degrees oh no it's like 70 what is it 70 where's my phone that's not helpful that is incorrect. It says it's 57. That's not right. <laughs> I mean, in the sun. It is 70 it, it, on the dot. Oh, okay. I was going to say, in the sun, 57 can feel a lot warmer. <laughs> no, it is 10 p.m., so there is no sun. And my little room that I now podcast in has absolutely no windows whatsoever. So even if there were, I couldn't tell you. You're in a dungeon. Gary keeps calling it my Harry Potter room. <laughs> Are you under the stairs? <laughs> I'm not under the stairs, but it's just like it's supposed to be a closet. <laughs> <laughs> so closets aren't a thing in, in Europe. Uh, not really. Like you, you buy wardrobes. They don't build closets uh, per se. Um, but this one is supposed to be like a storage room slash closet kind of thing. Um, but it is actually big enough. Like I have room. I can move my whole little chair in a circle. Um, my desk fits in here perfectly. I just ordered... Because everyone will love this. Because if you listen to this podcast, you're a book person. I was about to say girly, but we have men that listen to us too. So you're a book person. Um, I just bought shelves to line the wall behind where I sit. Like we'll have to, we keep talking about possibly doing the thing where we actually video uh, record these. But like behind me, I'm going to put bookshelves. So I, it's, it's, it's big enough, but yeah, it's, it's a closet. So Jerry's like, go to your closet, Harry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, well, we do have some book news and social media updates to share with our listeners. Unfortunately, they're not all happy. 
like caveat there, just caveat. Most of them are happy though. Most which, of them, yes. Which we'll go, we have a little sheet where we try to stay on track for everybody so we don't go on 50 million tangents. Let's, <laughs> <laughs> let's start with the sad one and then we can end on a happy note. How about okay. that? Yeah, so you found out before I did because I was getting very distracted, but Lee Bardugo, I, I always feel like I'm saying her name wrong, but um, until she comes out like Jodi Pico did and tells us we're saying it wrong, that's where I'm going with, Lee Bardugo. Um, she came out this week and I saw a post and it was very long and I was like, ooh, I need to read that, but I'm, I'm looking for something specific right now. Um and I went back to it and I shared it and you were like, yeah, I saw that. So the news is, and I won't go into like bot politics of the SAG-AFTRA um, strike that we've been on, but it, this news is a side effect of that, which is extremely unfortunate. And I think dumb, but it's the financial um, side effect too. Uh, Netflix has decided to cancel Shadow and Bone as well as the spinoffs, which the spinoffs were going to be Six of Crows. Um, it was just a whole Grisha verse. If I remember, it was three shows total, wasn't it, B? I think so. I'm pretty sure it was. But at this time frame, there will be no more Shadow and Bone, so we will not have a season three, and there will not be any spinoffs either. Um, which is just ridiculous because the spinoffs are literally written. They are sitting there. They are done. It, it has to do. It's so dumb. So this happened with another show. And I didn't know how to like articulate this the other day when you were like, but why? So it happened with another other show. And I really don't think I'm still going to be able to articulate it. But um, if you have you watched Peripheral from Amazon? No. To me, it's a very Brad show. I think Brad might like it. But um, Jerry and I started watching it. I think it's phenomenal. But it is also based off a book series. Um and, like, we watched the show all of season one. It has the Chloe Grace Moretz. Is that how you oh, say yeah. her name? Yeah. yeah. She is phenomenal. The uh, Jerry was like, I want to read these books. And he, he's a reader, too. So he was like, oh, my God, I want to read these books. I think they're probably going to be fantastic. Um, but we fell in love with this show. We finished all of season one, which is only eight episodes long, only to discover that also per, um, because of SAG after a strike, that Amazon decided – yeah, it's got great numbers, but we don't have time for this. And the way it was explained to me on, for that show in the article that I was reading is essentially what happens is, what were we on strike for, what, three months, two months? Well, one strike, I think it was the writer strike first. One started and then the other one added to, to yeah. it. And so, so it, it kind of like lasted five months. <laughs> yeah, it's been lasting for a long time. And so these companies, Amazon, Netflix, and so forth, had to sit down and have meetings and say, okay, well, you know, we we have X amount of money allocated to this project, whether it was an active one or a new one. In this case, we're talking about Shadow and Bone. So Netflix had X amount of money, like spoken for, allocated for that. Because of the strike, they couldn't move forward with that, but they have all this money tied up or being hemorrhaged as well because you're like I don't know it was like you're still having to put money into so they made the decision like well you know what we don't have time for that anymore we have to move on we're pulling the money from that to do this other thing because strike or whatever doesn't matter if it's finished finalized we can move forward without it 
because there are some things that they can move forward with without. There are some people in the acting world that were not part of that at all. Yeah. Like, I don't think a lot of your British actor, everyday actors, um, and I don't mean like Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman. I mean, like, in their everyday shows, I don't think a lot of those people are SAG after and they can work. No, because the, the British people have their own. They have thing. their own. Yeah. So, like, <clears throat> and they weren't striking. This with, was this was strictly an American thing. Right. It was. So, so these companies, Netflix, Amazon, canceling Shadow and Bone Peripheral, I don't agree with it. Um, I understand they are here to make money, but that decision was made as a repercussion of our American SAG-AFTRA being on strike, which is unfortunate. Um, Bianca discovered something, though. Um, there is a petition out there to bring back Shadow and Bone and move forward with the Grishaverse. At least bring back Shadow and Bone. I guess if they give us this is my opinion. If they at least said, okay, we'll, we'll bring back Shadow and Bone. We'll continue moving forward with that. But we won't, we're not going to continue the Grishaverse. I would still be okay with that. Um, but, and this position may not, it may not get off the ground. It may not bring enough leverage. But I think if enough people show Netflix that they, um, they really want this and they think this was a very dumb decision, whether it was a financial decision or not, Maybe we can have that happen. Bianca posted it yesterday on our Instagram. Um, and I'll story. post it like throughout the week. Yeah. This this episode should be posted on Friday. Yeah. Usually. So hopefully if you're following us on Instagram, you'll see it one or two times. Yeah. Um, as of right now, it has 110,655 signatures. And that's it started. What's today's date? So it's been up for three today, days. Yeah, it's been up for three. I signed it and then um, I complained to Jerry about it and he was like, well, you can sign it for me because you have to use an email address. Um, you don't hit your name doesn't hit, can be anonymous, but you put your name, you put your email and you click like submit. But for the for it to count for your signature, your quote unquote signature to count, you'll have to go into your email and click like, yes, I did this. So. I signed, we got two signatures from my house because Jerry actually watched chunks of Shadow and Bone with me. What was really funny is, you know, I had read the books already. So obviously I knew it was going to happen, but he watched, he got it. Like we got into like episode one. He goes, hmm, he's the bad guy. And he, and I just looked at him. <laughs> I was like, could you just not? <laughs> Poor Ben Barnes. Could you not? <laughs> Poor Ben Barnes. I know. But then somebody else, um, texted me and they were and then they sent me a picture of Ben Barnes with like with the full beard and stuff and then a picture of Jerry and they're like I now understand why are you are into morally gray characters <laughs> and I was like did I did I marry the morally gray villain <laughs> I because his favorite characters are like Joker and Deadpool so I may may have good job Miranda I know. Young Miranda would be very proud of herself. <laughs> but So that's the, like, bad news. But with bad news comes good news. And good news is that we are getting a Mexican Gothic adaptation, y'all. I haven't seen this one yet. Oh, it is. I might. That might be an episode. <laughs> I am here for that because it is one I have wanted to read. Actually, I was going to try to put it on my TBR for because, you know, I try to stay in theme during October and November. But moving 
And trying to TBR list at the same time does not compute. Yeah. Well, it's in development at Hulu. Um, it is set to be produced by Kelly Ripa and Mark Consuelos. What have um, they done so far? Because they have done. They several. did uh, Riverdale. Oh, they did. That's right. Which he acts on. He's he's on yes. Riverdale, which the final season just dropped. So. Um, but yeah, so I have high hopes for that. I think they yeah. will. I think they'll do it good. I think they'll do it justice. I know you really, really enjoyed it. It's it it was a good creepy read. <laughs> uh, Sabrina, shout out Sabrina. Hey Sabrina. Uh, we were talking about it last night because it was one of her favorite reads of was that last year? I think she read that last year. Yeah. And she read it super quick and she was texting me the whole time and I was like, hee hee hee, I knew you would love it. I have Sabrina um, as one of my things to read for next year, which we usually will get into in a few months. But one of my things that I'm going to do is Sabrina gave me a better reading order for the entire uh, Cassandra Clare. Oh, yeah. She loves the Cassandra. Because I've only read the first two of Mortal Instruments. And then, like, somewhere I got lost in the sauce and, like, forgot about it. And decided well, there's, like, 30 out. books now. <laughs> I know. My husband read all of the Immortal Instruments books. And he read some of the Bane Chronicles, I think. But, yeah, she gave me what she considers the better reading order. And I was so – I loved her, Marco. She sent me where she was mapping out, like, you could do it this way, but you should do it this way, and here's why. <laughs> this is no spoilers, but this is about this, and this goes in here. And I was like, oh, this is fantastic. <laughs> it, was, it was phenomenal. Phenomenal. So, yeah. Something else that got greenlit is Fourth Wing <laughs> at Amazon. <laughs> it's going to be under Michael B. Jordan's production company. Which I have um, to ask, do you think this is too early? Because you and I, right before we started recording, we looked up the publication date of Fourth Wing because it feels like it was forever ago. And it was not. It was actually just April that this book came out. Yep, April 2023. And then, of course, we just got book two, Iron Flame, like, what, less a week ago? Well, just because something is in production does not mean we're getting it anytime soon. Um, My favorite book, Red Queen, has now been in production for going on like five years now. Mm -hmm. We've actually Um, talked about this before because we've talked about how just because your rights get purchased doesn't always. You and I saw that years ago with Colleen Hoover. Was it The Ugly Love? There's been a couple others, though. Just because your rights are purchased and just because like a director gets assigned to it and things like that doesn't mean it ever actually happens. I do think though, with the hype around these two books, it's probably more likely that it will move forward than it won't. Yeah. Especially if you have big names attached to them, like Kelly Ripa, Mark Consuelos, Michael B. Jordan. Right. I think when you get big names like that, they are going to move forward. Um, To add to that, I think making it move forward, um, I was listening to a TikTok and and reading a couple articles where there has not been like specific midnight releases, especially to this number and this capacity worldwide since Harry Potter. Yep. And they The last one I remember going to was the last Twilight book, Breaking Dawn. That was the last midnight release I remember. I did go to. When did that come out? Now I have to. Now I have to know. Breaking Dawn publication day. Two thousand eight. 
Yes. Okay. Yeah, I did go to that. I did go to the midnight um, release of that. But even that, that one, um, I used to go to the Harry Potter ones. Um, when did the last Harry Potter come out? Now, um, Harry Potter and the Death. I was in Alabama, so it was. If I could type. That was 2007, so yeah. Yeah, but I those were significantly, I mean, you know, and now we have a good bit of listeners from, like, because they're our friends and they love us. We have a good bit of listeners for, like, the Wiregrass area of Alabama, and so you you guys all know how small Ozark can be. Yeah. And that's where I went to the midnight for that final Harry Potter, um, and it was pretty I mean there were a lot of people at that Walmart it was crazy like everybody was in like they, a lot of people were like in costume like I the Twilight one was not like that it was like here's your book here's some stickers I think it got well I went to the one it was at Barnes and Noble and we had a dress like Bella contest and I wanted to come to that one but driving from Mozart to Dothan at midnight uh, not really my cup of tea. Yeah, Plus, no, if I remember I correctly, um, if I remember at that time, Jerry worked third shift, and so I would have had a baby Caden. And I think I did pay um, one of the girls that used to babysit for us to come stay so I could go pick up the Twilight book. Yeah. So, yeah, driving to Dothan at midnight, yeah, not, not fun. That road's <laughs> not great. If you know, you know. Not great. Not great. 231. Ugh. <laughs> My last bit of social media updates um, comes from TikTok. Her uh, hand, her name is Maggie, but her handle is Maggie underscore Maeve, okay. M-A-E-V-E. Oh, I like her. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, yeah, I've been following her for a while. She has a, like a nice voice and cadence. I like her stuff. But I saw one of her videos uh, yesterday, mm-hmm. and she told me about this site called blackwells.co.uk. Mm-hmm. And it's basically a website where you can go, and if you happen to like the British covers of books more, you can get them mm-hmm. for fairly cheap with really good shipping rates. Most of the time, the shipping is free. If you, if I, I don't, I've never checked our analytics, so I don't know. I kind of hope so. Um, but because I live in Europe, if you're a European listener, hey, we get. We usually get um, British, the UK covers. Uh, For some reason, British covers, most of the time, I'd say like 85% of the time, they are better than American covers, and I don't understand why. If you remember um, when Legends and Lattes came out, I, and it's a paperback, I paid like 25 euros, not dollars, 25 euros, which I think is about right now. It's a couple dollars more American um, for a paperback because I wanted that specific cover and like size. It's one of the bigger, taller paperbacks. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was like, yes, I paid. I think I messaged I Marco. I don't remember if it was on our book group, Marco, that we haven't used in a while or if it was just to you and Susan. Um, but Yeah. I tend to gravitate to the UK covers, and I don't know why. And sometimes I've noticed occasionally the cover is just the cover, period, regardless of where it comes from. Yeah. But the website, again, is Mm blackwells.co.uk. 
Oh, you know what's nice? I just pulled this website up and it says delivery included to Czech Republic. <gasps> nice. Nice. Because unfortunately, due to Brexit, a lot of times I have to pay extra fees when it arrives to me from England. Not the Brexit. Yeah, the daggum Brexit. And I will pop this website into our show notes as well. Yeah. So if you are like driving or whatever, and obviously you cannot get it down right now, check the show notes when you get to a safe place where you are parked with your car off. Yes. And then check out the website. I'll find something clever. I'll find I'll decide something clever. I need more I need more content for our, our social medias. So um you should be able to find it there too. Soon ish. <laughs> Maybe but, I'll do an order. Maybe I'll do, which this kind of goes into the thing. Or what, which one are you doing next? You doing directly here? You going directly down our list? Yes. Okay. Well, you do that. And then and then I got an idea. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to mess up our flow, you know? Well, it is award time, ladies and gentlemen. The Goodreads Choice Awards voting is now open for first round votes. Go and cast your votes as soon as possible. I did mine already. I did too. And I was actually proud of myself. I have read at least one book in every category except for, I think it was the biographies. Hold on. I I almost have. I almost have. So if it was a category that I had not read the book in, because I know some people are like, well, that you shouldn't vote. I like meticulously went through and I like looked at, the author, the cover, the current reviews, and then made an educated decision in the area of if I had not read it. Yeah, the only one that I have not read one book in is the history and biography. So I was proud of myself this year. That means I branched out. You did branch out. I was like, look at me. I'm amazing. Not really, but. Well, branching (laughs) out is hard when you're a mood reader and you have like comfort reads. It's very hard. Yes, it is. Well, that's but, what, yeah. this is selfish, but this is why I'm glad we also have this podcast, because I feel like uh, not that you force me to read anything, no. but you give me ideas to branch out. And mm-hmm. some of the books that we choose for the podcast, I don't naturally gravitate towards. So it gives me an opportunity to get outside my comfort. Right. No, and I think that's it. I think that's important because um, like you can be reading partners, reading buddies um, or whatever, because you and I kind of sort of became friends due to it was not a, it was not a book group, but we were in a group of people that lived specifically in our area. And it was like I was friends with this chunk of people and you were friends with this chunk and they crossed. Um, and it's a very small group. There's like what less than 50 of us in this group. Yeah. Um, and someone said, let's have, what if we had a book club for just so um, the ones of us in the group that wanted to participate? And so we kind of like did a offshoot. And again, there's like 12 of us. <laughs> and that is how Bianca and I became internet friends, only living 30 minutes from each other, but then becoming friends because a lot of our book interest is very similar. It, is, it does cross a lot, but then you have interests that I don't read as much of. Um, and then I have interests that you don't read as much of. So I think it's a, it's a nice balance. Yeah. Sometimes I'll be scrolling Goodreads and I'll see something you're reading and it'll be one of those like cozy mystery things. And I'm like, Miranda's back in her element. (laughs) I am sometimes, you know, sometimes I just get in those grooves and those moods and (laughs) it just happens. 
Um, but with that being said, talking about like having reading partners and checking Goodreads for things, I came across um, a young lady. I don't remember her handle right now. I follow her regularly. Um, but, you know, my TikTok is kind of flooded with like recipes and book talk and things like that. And I sent it to Bianca because I thought this young lady brought up a very good point that I wanted us to have a quick discussion about, which you pretty much agree with me and, and her on this. But it's that like reading is not a competition and that she feels like it's kind of been turned into the next thing or the next read that comes out. We'll use Iron Flame, for example, like you have to read it and you have to read it right now. And, you know, it, like you have to have a Goodreads um, goal or a goal in general. You have to keep a book journal. You have to do these it's things. It's basically the next consumer good. Right. Like how it's become with keeping up with the Joneses. And you don't. You no. don't. If you read 100 books a year, that is fantastic. And we had a deep conversation, I think, about this last year where someone I know read like a couple hundred books. And it made me feel puny with my – I think I – hit I didn't hit triple digits last year I was in the 90s but it made me feel bad and then this just this TikTok from this young lady reminded me that like I shouldn't feel bad if you read one book a year if you read one book a month if you are one of those people that you're reading like 20 books a month that's fantastic but don't let it consume you or don't want don't want up people either but also, if you're reading 20 books a month, please let me know how you do that. Yeah, like how? <laughs> if you okay, for me specific for me specifically, if you were reading 20 books a month and you have ADHD and children that you take care of daily, like maybe you even homeschool them, can you please tell me how? You're reading. And I want to know how you work a full time job. Right? Like how do you? Like um, I understand that. Uh, a good chunk of like corporate jobs you can pop in an earbud and like do audible books but you still like I'm assuming you still get interrupted and you still have to like go to meetings and do presentations and talk to people so I'm just like how does this work (laughs) I don't know because at one point especially when the panini first started I had a full-time job and I was homeschooling Caden and I read and then I was like how am I but I barely like I was in such a book slump. So I want to be like, how? Yeah. Just teach me your ways. Or am I going to be even more exhausted because I already don't get enough sleep. So if it, if it involves removing sleep, I think I'm out. <laughs> I think I'm out. But yeah, it's just, it's just not a competition and don't feel bad about it and don't make it the thing. Um, of course, obviously, when we meet anyone and you're like, oh, are you a reader? And they're like, not really, but I kind of want to be. You want to, like, dump all your knowledge on them, right? Like, you want yeah. them to love that thing. But I think you don't it, You don't have to. Like, it doesn't have to be your thing. Nah. You got to start people slow. Yeah. Fill them out first. And that's the other thing is somebody's like, oh, well, I read books that are 600 pages you only read books that are like 200 that you're reading shut up (laughs) (laughs) so that i don't know i just thought it was i thought it was a nice little topic that i think yeah no in the book talk world oh i completely agree because i feel like the people that boast the most about how many books they read they're the ones that get the most views Mm -hmm. so that, and that is, just, a, that is a hard thing. 
Yeah. Stop comparing. Mm-hmm. Just enjoy what you're reading. But We're not here else. to yuck your yum. Exactly. You. Oh, that's my phrase. You know I love that phrase. <laughs> Don't yuck anybody's yum. <laughs> Which, of course, now that I've liked, uh, even though I already followed her, now that I like that, I noticed today um, I'm getting a couple of videos about uh, people that are slow readers. Um, and I got one girl that was, uh, she said something about, like, you're still a book talker even if you only post run one or two reviews a month. And yeah. I felt that hard because, <laughs> as I kind of briefly mentioned earlier, like, I haven't posted anything on our social medias. We are growing, though. I was pretty proud. Like, we're organically growing. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was pretty proud. But at the same time. It, like, it up now. We have you, 52 followers on Instagram. We have. Oh. You might can get to it before I can. Oh, I don't there want it to okay. start making noises. <laughs> it logged me out of our TikTok. It's okay. Okay. Well, I can't see TikTok right now. Sorry. So but we have we, 52 followers on Instagram. And we are at 57 on TikTok. Yay. So I'm pretty pleased with that just because I've not done anything to like push or promote other than talk about it here. And I know some people listen and don't like follow or anything like that. People are strictly just like bystander listeners, and that's okay. Um, but I was I was pretty pleased. But it the that TikTok validated to me um, because you know you do look at some of these book talkers that they have like ten thousand, you know, whatever a million followers, and it does make you as I guess we're kind of book talkers in a way. We're more podcast people promoting our podcast on TikTok, but um, it does make you kind of go, uh-huh. but we're valid too, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> well, this November, we decided to kind of keep with our comfy, cozy vibe that we've been have going on for the past few months. Creepy, comfy, cozy. Yeah. Yeah. So we decided that we would do Mother Daughter Murder Night. Which you chose. Um, I was excited for your your pick. Because um, we do take turns, guys. Sometimes we both want to read something and we say, let's do this together. Or sometimes you pick, sometimes I pick. And this, if I'm not mistaken, is a Reese book club. Yes. Which we've this talked about her, numerous times. We this loved. was her September book club pick. Okay. So new then. Yes. Okay. Um, do you want to... Give the synopsis for the book. Yeah, I can. Uh, the tagline for the book is nothing brings a family together like a murder next door. <laughs> I love it. Um, high powered businesswoman Lana Rubicon has a lot to be proud of. Her keen intelligence, impeccable taste and L.A. real L.A. real estate empire she's built. But when she finds herself trapped 300 miles north of the city, convalescing in a sleepy coastal town with her adult daughter, Beth, and her teenage granddaughter, Jack, short for Jacqueline, Lana Lana is stuck counting otters instead of square footage and hoping that boredom won't kill her before the cancer does. Then Jack happens upon a dead body while kayaking. She quickly becomes a suspect in the homicide investigation, and the Rubicon women are thrown into chaos. Beth thinks Lana should focus on recovery, but Lana has a better idea. She'll put on her wig, 
find the true murderer, protect her family, and prove that she still has power. With Jack and Beck's help, Lana uncovers a web of lies, family vendettas, and land disputes lurking beneath the surface of a community populated by folksy conservationists and wealthy ranchers. But as their amateur snooping advances into ever more dangerous territory, the headstrong Rubicon women must learn to do the one thing they've always done, depend on each other. So, um, note a little spoiler for you real quick. How many stars did you give it? I gave it three. Okay. It was okay. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't great. It was just straight line, middle of the line, three stars. I remember you started it before me, um, and you were like, hey, um, and I, I even asked you, like, do we, do you want to go forward? And you're like, no, no, let's do this. I end up giving it four stars. Oh, I wish okay. there was a three and a half. I really hate that there's not a half star option on Goodreads specifically. I'm yeah. sure there are on other platforms. I'm a little stuck in my ways, unfortunately. Yeah, I use I use literal. They do let you do halves over there. Yeah, I started trying to use the separate one. And my problem is that, like, I'm so used to this one. And this is where all my friends are. And this is where, like, everything is that I, I keep not going back to the others. Because I had one that was, like, book graph. Is it book graph? I've heard of story graph. I don't know story about graph. book graph. Yes, I used story graph. And then I just... I, yeah, I didn't like the layout and stuff. I'm sorry. I don't want to give <laughs> Bezos more of my time, but it keeps happening. Um, so I gave it four. I think three and a half or three point seven five would have been more accurate for me. Um, I there was just a lot of lulls. We would there would be really good plot stuff would be happening, and then there'd just be like a lull. And that's just kind of how the book moved. I didn't. I don't necessarily feel like it was lulls. I feel like it was maybe information regarding like topics, but that we didn't really need, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's fair. Um. So, you want to get into spoiling it? Yeah, we can. Okay. So, Mother Daughter Murder Night, um, regardless of the title, is kind of not what you would think. Um, I, it kept being described as a heartwarming and suspenseful story. And don't get me wrong, there's some suspenseful moments and you do end up getting like that murder mystery thing that you want. Um, somebody called it the Gilmore Girls with a murder twist. I, I will buy that because Lana is for sure, for sure, just like Lorelai's mother. Emily. <laughs> Emily yeah, Lana and Emily... They would probably not like each other, but they would probably be, like, besties at the same time. They'd be frenemies, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I loved Lana, but I also thought these three women did not understand each other at all. Like, no. there was a lot of huge misunderstanding. There was a lot of those, like, hallmark, like, miscommunication. Oh, my God, this seems to be a trope with us on this podcast for the last two years. Just... <laughs> We constantly get angered because characters don't have conversations with each other. If they would just communicate just a little bit better with each other. Uh, I will say I'd be interested in reading other works from Nina Simon, but not sure that this one was technically a murder. I don't know. I guess because you and I read thriller. 
right? We read thriller and suspense. It's one yeah. of our genres we kind of really both love. I thought this was going to be that. I thought this was going to be like the lies I tell or the last thing he told me or this, um, I could say, girl on like, a train. I thought it was going to be like that. I can understand catalog- cataloging this as mystery. I don't understand in cataloging it as thriller. There was... It was it was just a straight mystery. It was a who done it. That's what it was. I I kind of felt like it was more and in most of your mystery who done it, that is the main plot line with other little things going on and I felt that was the reverse of this one. I felt like this book was more of um generations coming back together like having to rebuild relationships and the story was actually to me revolved around the three generations of them and their like family issues and then the whodunit was just kind of what was also t- happening at the same time is what brought their family issues and brought them together so to speak i could see that um like there's really only um there's really only two quote thriller moments for me mm-hmm. and it was when which i already said this in the synopsis when jack found the dead body yeah that whole that whole seg sequence that could be considered thriller um the, i thought the description for that like how she felt the body what it looked like how it made her feel like didn't one person like walk away and, and vomit i think like yes. in the book a character yeah. walks away and vomits and i thought that and at that point because it happens if i remember is it's within the first few chapters that this happens yes that was chapter hold on let me go to my notes that was chapter five Okay, so, and and I thought to myself, okay, that's where, this is where it starts. Like, this is where it's going to, and it really didn't. Um, I will ask, um, because you usually do a pretty good breakdown of chapters, so I'm going to let you start that. But first, let me ask you, did you, um, as you were reading the book, every time they were like, because <laughs> they kept repeating themselves, like the, all the characters being like, I don't know who, I don't know who. And I was like, it? And I just kept, like, pretty early on from meeting the character that is responsible for the death. And I was like, it's... <laughs> Did you, like, the whole rest of the book, I was like, oh, my God, it's because it's... It's because it's... <laughs> like, did you feel that way? Or were you like, oh, my God, really? Uh, neither one. Really? Like, I had it. I had it narrowed down to... The person that did it uh-huh. or the sister. I didn't know which one she would actually sus. do it though. She was sus. I'll give you yes. That. But at the same time, it just got to a point where I was talking about those lulls. Yeah. It just got to a point where I was just ready to be done with the book. So I was just like, let's just, let's get to it. <laughs> it was- so I kind of just checked that like, I still read it, but yeah. I wasn't like invested in it. So I wasn't actively thinking, okay, this person could do it. This person could do it. I don't know. It was the very first, maybe not the very first time they introduced him, but it was that date. I think it was the, oh, first, yeah. the fir- very first date, which is pretty quickly after his character being introduced. I was like, he did it. <laughs> Case closed. Take it home. Well, we'll start doing um, a little so bit of breakdown for you breakdown. guys. Yeah. Right. Do that breakdown, and that's will I'll interject, uh, like as you 
bring up things and we can kind of discuss like per chapters like we normally do. But, yeah. You know. Um, one, this book started super weird. I'm going to oh, just yeah. say that. Yeah. It, it opens with Beth and Jack burying a dead seal. And the way it's described, you're like, you're thinking to yourself, oh my God, it is murder, mother, daughter, murder night. They've just killed somebody. Yeah. And then like, they're all like, like, oh, oh no, it's a dead seal. We're starting like, oh, from page one, let's go. No, no. But I, that was just also like, now that I've finished the book, it just seems really out of character for Beth to be doing that. I like, I don't see her actively burying a huge, because seals are not small. No, they're not. They are huge animals. I could see Jack because of her personality and the type of yeah. kid that she was, that she would want to give it a proper burial or, or but do no, whatever. Beth was just doing done. it by herself. And then Jack bebops up is like, Hey mom, what you doing? Right. And it, it would just seemed strange. And I don't know if it was trying to make you think that maybe as we got further into the book, maybe she could have been the killer. I don't know. It, uh, it was, just, it was a weird way to start a book guys. It makes no you know. sense now. Now that you <laughs> finished it, it makes no sense. <laughs> Don't know. Um, so that was just the prologue and then the for real chapter one uh, we find out Lana who is Beth's mother she's the grandmother um, she has brain cancer um, Lana and Beth the daughter they have always had a tenuous relationship they're quite estranged at this point yeah um, this is where I think the Gilmore Girls thing comes in because Lana and Beth's relationship is very much like Emily and Lorelai in the mm-hmm. first couple of seasons of Gilmore Girls, where there's mm-hmm. not a lot of contact. They live in their own separate universes. Um, it's just, it's not a great mother-daughter relationship. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, Beth is a nurse, and she has quite a few connections in the medical community. So she is working to get Lana the best medical care possible. Um, she's also working really hard to help pay for Jack's college tuition because she is a sophomore or junior. Either one. She's getting close to being done with high school. I think uh, they talk about her age several times because um, that's part of like her having this job, which is the reason she discovers the body. I want to say she's like 15, 16. So she'd be sophomore, junior. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, but Lana is starting on chemo. Um, due to all of that, she's really weak and then make the decision that she needs to move in with Beth and Jack just so she has someone at home to help care for her. Basic household things she can't do. Um, I think at one point they mentioned that she had passed out at her house in L.A. Due to the chemo treatments. She passed out a couple of times, and that's what led them to being like, you need someone to take care of you. You, you can't be alone. Um, she was like a big, high-profile um, real estate agent, I believe. Yes. I don't know why my brain just went, was she? Like, I couldn't remember. Yes. <laughs> um, but she was like a big, high-profile real estate agent, and she was one of those, like, self-made millionaire-type women, and she didn't need any help. So, like, her asking for help was from Beth was kind of a big big. deal. Yeah. It was kind of big, but we go a lot of chapters of like Lana, not wanting to admit to herself that she's sick or that anything's wrong with her. And she talks about, she makes comments about the hot doctor a few times. That was really funny. That part was funny. 
Um, but it's like Bianca said, it's a little unnecessary though, because it never, other than like kind of telling us what kind of woman Lana is, like it never really does anything else. Um, so Lana moves in with Beth. She takes over Jack's bedroom, basically. And Jack volunteers to just sleep on the couch. They live in a um, little seaside, like, cottage-type home. Yes. Uh, Lana keeps describing it like it's some stupid shack, but I don't think it is. I think it's just, like, a small, quaint, really probably cozy seaside home. Yeah. It's just, it's not L.A., so it's not good enough for Lana. Right. Um, and, of course, Lana is on all these medications to help with the cancer. And most of the medications um, gives her. Uh, what's it called when you can't sleep at night? Insomnia. Thank you. I have it. It's fantastic. <laughs> join the club. You should join. You should all join the insomnia club. It's uh, so Lana has really bad insomnia. And she has a window that looks out over the water. Mm-hmm. And so at one night at like 2 a.m., she notices a very small flashlight light bobbing in the distance. And are you okay? I dropped my phone. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> I was like, dang it. As soon as I did it, I was like, Ew. I was like, tell me she did not fall out of her chair. <laughs> no, if I did, my head would have hit the wall or the door because remember, I'm in a closet. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, so Lana grabs her binoculars, and she sees this, like, outline of a person pushing a wheelbarrow, and Listen, she just I thought I really love that this old woman is like, I can't sleep. Binoculars! <laughs> <laughs> she honestly, it's a, it's a tie between her and Jack for my favorite character, not gonna lie. Oh, I love Jack. Jack is my favorite. I love Jack, but Lana, she's just, she's salt mills. She's so funny. <laughs> Um, the next chapter, we're introduced to Jack. She works at the marina. She is uh, secretly, because she has not told her plans to her mother or grandmother at this time, mm-hmm. she is saving for a sailboat instead of a car. She's like Moana. Uh, oh, she's definitely like Moana. There's several Moana references. Um, the water calls to her. Uh, she's also a very petite girl, and everyone that works in the marina calls her tiny. But she's also kind of like a chihuahua in that she tells all the men that she works with, like, what to do, who needs to do what. Like, she's their boss. It's like They're not going to admit it, but yeah. they let her. She's the boss. Well, it's like she takes the job seriously because it does the outdoors do mean so much to her. Um, and, like, it, she enjoys it. She took the job because it's something she loves. Yeah. Um, at the marina, they uh, do kayak tours, and this particular, it's a Saturday night, she takes out a group of very rowdy men for a bachelor party. Uh, let's see. Jack goes back to the house to find movers. Lana had hired people to basically redecorate the house without telling Beth and Jack what all was going to go on. Yeah, she bought like, she bought Jack a new bed, and she's like, well, it's the least. Or she bought, I don't remember if it was a bed or a couch, and she's like, well, if you're going to make her sleep on the couch, it's the least I can do if I kick her out of her room. Like, it was very, like, Emily. It was just very Emily. No, but she was also kind of like taking over the house. She was like redecorating things. Oh, yeah. and Beth that, was like, no, you're not touching that. Times. You're not getting rid of that. Yeah, it comes up three times where Beth is like, this is my home. Yeah. 
So Lana just kind of steamrolls over everybody, and we're that's continually reinforced throughout the book too. Which later it comes to benefit though. It does. Yeah, that's true. Not, not, maybe not in the Beth and Lana situation. <laughs> in the somebody murdered someone situation. So the next day, Jack goes back to do another kayak tour. And she wasn't, if I remember, she wasn't supposed to. Like, it was like that was not supposed to have been her morning to work or something. Like, they keep bringing that up, how she wasn't even supposed to be the one to be there. Well, the the first kayak tour I mentioned, I think that was the one she was not supposed to do. Oh, okay. I knew there was one. There yeah. like, she wasn't even supposed to be there. Yeah, I think it was that one. And that's okay. what kind of led to everything else. So this one, uh, she's kind of guiding a father and son who are like way behind everyone else in the tour. So she holds back to help them. Because um, she thought they were stuck. Like in the water which now that i've been kayaking a few times i understand how you can get stuck I, oh you can so get stuck yeah well i've never been kayaking till the summer so i'm glad i oh, went kayaking okay. before reading this because i was like oh i get this like, this makes sense stuck. yeah 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 <clears throat> so she goes back to help them and then she hears the sun like literally screaming his head off and she sees a person floating face down in the water she quickly gets him to the bank and tries to do CPR, but it's very evident that he has been dead for quite a while at this point and that CPR mm-hmm. is not going to do anything. Uh, yeah, because qu- body, body in water, um, it changes things pretty quickly. And at this point, he, they, we don't know. We don't know the reader how long he's been dead at this point, but it, it's been a while. And if you know anything, it's not it's not going to be pretty. It's, yeah. Yeah. Um, Jack gets the group that she had on tour back to the kayak shack. She gives instructions to her male coworker Travis. Um, I wrote down this quote because it made me giggle. <laughs> Jack's grandma had told her it was always good to give men simple instructions in complicated situations. <laughs> I, I was like that. Lana. <laughs> um, but she doesn't they call, call her grandma, the pol- right? No, she calls her Lana. Doesn't she? Hang on. No, hang on. No? Hold while we research this. (laughs) You you keep going. It's cool. It's cool. (laughs) Um, So they call the police and two two detectives show up and they question Jack. Uh, Let's see. Beth comes from... I did not like those detectives, please. No, they were... uh, well, one was a woman and one was a man. Yeah. The man was like overly misogynistic. Like that's that's the only way to describe him is overly misogynistic. Oh, for and sure. And then the woman, I feel like she was overcompensating because she's a woman. Like, you know how women sometimes have to like be extra pushy or just be extra in general well, just to be taken seriously in their we're career? We're already giving spoilers, but without jump, like, I don't want to like jump to everything that happens at the end. But towards the end, she says that. She says, yeah. look, I have to, I have to put in like three times the work that all the men do because I think she's also um, a woman of color. Yeah, I think she was Hispanic. Yeah, so I couldn't remember. So she, um, she, 
she's not just a, a white lady. And she, so like Bianca said, we, I believe she's Hispanic based off of what they said about her, but she's also like the only woman apparently on the force or in that, that in the detective department or whatever. So she, she says at one point, like, I have to work three times harder. I have to, to be taken seriously. I have to never slip. And so that's why she acts that way basically. But in the beginning, you don't know that. And you're like, Hmm, like, what do you What's your beef yeah. here, lady? And also, no, and now I remember, I wish I'd written this down. I laughed through the whole book because she doesn't call her Lana. I thought I was confusing this with another book. She calls her Prima. As Prima, in, yeah. In Prima Donna. Yeah. Yeah, so she calls her, she doesn't call her Grandma or Lana. She calls her Prima. Yeah. Which I was thinking Prima Ballerina, which is also the same thing as saying Prima Donna, but Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Uh, so, yeah, those two detectives, they show up to the shack and they question Jack. Um, it's not at that point. It's not an intense questioning. Mm-mm. Jack Jack is more. Um, it's like, hey, you found the body. Tell us how you found it. Tell me what's yeah. going on. Like. And they kind of start to belittle her a little bit just because of her age. Um, so she, I feel like she kind of has to speak more forcefully for her to be taken seriously on what I happened. Agree. I think that but, happens a lot in this book with the females of this whole book, Beth, Lana, Jack, the detective. It's, and even the sister that we'll get to in a little bit, I feel like all of them have to like, and maybe the author has dealt with that in her life. And so she wanted to put it into the book, but I felt like every woman in this book had to like work a little bit harder, project a little bit more. Like, yeah. <clears throat> But then Jack goes home and she tells Beth and Lana what all had happened and the detectives show up at the house. And they that's when the questioning of Jack becomes more serious. And you can tell that they're suspecting Jack of doing of being involved, not necessarily murdering, but just being involved. Which I thought I time out was like, what, what, what this 15 year old girl just for what reason, what reason would she have? murdered this man like, well because they also accuse her of being drunk and negligent with the tour that they took out that she took oh, out the, on saturday the with prior, their bachelors that's, yeah that's why she got brought up as a she wasn't even supposed to be there kind of thing yeah like, um because uh the detectives don't distinctly say it this is kind of figured out by lana and jack and beth after the detectives leave um we find out that the the man that was murdered was supposed to be on Jack's tour with that bachelor party, and he never showed up. So that's why they're starting to take Jack more seriously in this investigation. Uh, let's see. The detectives don't really believe her. Um, no, they get pretty rude. Yeah. Lana tries to speak up to say that she saw someone with a wheelbarrow early Saturday morning but they kind of don't really take that into consideration because one, this is a grandmother. Granted, she's not supposed to be super old because she had Beth young and Beth had Jack really Mm -hmm. as a teenager. So Lana's not super old, but she's very frail from all of the chemo. Um, You can tell that she's just not mentally all there right now. Right. Um, So they just, they don't take her concerns very seriously. They they basically <clears throat> read it off as a ramblings of like a sick medicated woman. Yeah. Um, after the detectives leave, 
Jack and Lana sit down to watch TV and they're watching the news and the news flashes up a picture of the victim and his name was Ricardo. And Jack is like, oh, I remember him. I saw him. I do know him. Yeah. Yeah. He was collecting water samples a few weeks ago. And that's when Lana's like, we're hiring a lawyer. We're not, we're not doing this. We're going to hire somebody. Yeah. Cause now if they come back and they say like, well, you, did you like, had you ever seen him before? Like now she has to be like, well, actually now that I've seen his picture, I absolutely have seen him before. And then that gets dicey. Which for those of you that are saying, what do you mean now that she's seen him? She found a dead body that had been in water for a long time. Submerged in water. Again, let me remind you without being graphic, it's, not pretty like stuff happens to the body like that would they were unrecognizable yeah yeah it's mm -mm, mm -mm. so once she was able to see a proper picture of him from when he was alive she was like oh i recognize him now uh let's see beth uh so beth kind of has her own little side story throughout this book And I think that's what kind of threw me off is that there wasn't like, I guess it is one cohesive story now that you know the ending, but Mm -hmm. it felt very choppy. I feel like it could have been done, executed a little bit better. So every now and then we, we get a chapter from Beth's point of view and most of Beth's stuff is her dealing with work. Just you get the sense that work is her life. Um, I think she's, I think she is a workaholic for sure. Yes. Um, So in chapter 10, we get the point of view of Beth dealing with the death of one of her patients, one Mr. Rhodes. Um, It's. It was just basically her going to work and dealing with. Him dying. She does a lot of hospice care. Yeah. People. Um, So there were parts of this book that was like. Because I I calculated Prima. Lana would have been in 50-ish. Um, and they were describing, like, what the pills, like, what the medication did to her body. My dad, when he passed from cancer, was also just a few days shy of 50. So I was like, I don't like this. <laughs> yeah. Understandable. Yeah. But she deals mainly with hospice people, um, which I think shows us the kind of person she is. But also, I don't know, it was like a lot of talk about her being a nurse and what she does at work. And I was like, it doesn't, other than her being able to advocate for Lana, I didn't understand why they went into such detail of like what she does. Yeah. Unless it was just showing like the the compassionate person that she was on top of being a nurse. Yeah. Um, While we get all of that from Beth. Uh, Lana basically decides to become her own detective. And I just imagine her, you know, that meme with the cork board and the man with the alien stuff. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. That's Lana. <laughs> Absolutely. The man with the alien hair, which um, I love him, but yeah. <laughs> so Lana tries to call the detectives, but they never really talk to her or call her back. Um, the owner of the kayak shack, his name is Paul. Hi, Paul. How you doing? He calls at 1030 in the morning asking for Jack. And Lana's like, she's at school. And Paul's like, oh, yeah. 
Like you kind of get the feel that he's a very uh, free spirited type. I of got long haired Matthew Lillard when he was in like the Scooby Doo movies. Yes, yes, that is Paul. <laughs> he is he is not all the way there. Um, he enjoys things recreationally. Which is okay. He's, he's okay. here for a good time, not he a long time. Here, yeah, he is, <laughs> and he's not he's not even here necessarily to run his business. No, Jack runs that business. Yes, he does. <laughs> but uh, I think detect- that gets said where they're like, "Really, you let like a fifteen year old girl run your business?" I think Lana says that she's like, yeah. "Really." <clears throat> um, but uh, as he's as they're talking on the phone, Lana's talking to him, and she convinces Paul to come pick her up so they can have a little chat. So Paul comes and picks her up in his truck. It was a very <laughs> awkward truck ride. <laughs> is this is this where she like he pulls up at the house and he like honks the horn and she just like refuses? Yeah, she like, makes him well, come one, to the door like it's a date. <laughs> well, wasn't it the what? Well, who who is it? She meets the first. Is it Paul? She also meets randomly in the restaurant. He's like, well, how will I know it's you? And she's like, you'll you'll know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Lana. She puts on her best wig. Yeah, she she is not playing. She's like, get out of the truck, say hello, <laughs> open the door. <laughs> so they, uh, Paul takes her to the marina for lunch. Um, like Miranda said, she is fully decked out in full Lana mode. She's got heels, a skirt, her best wig on. Like she going um, to show a house in L.A. Yes. Like she is ready uh they start to discuss aspects of what's going on because of course the detectives have contacted paul and they want to know basically why wasn't he there stuff like that um i forget how it comes about but paul says he doesn't like the naturalists which is what ricardo was doing on the is it pronounced slow or slough um, so I did the audiobook and they kept saying the slow. Okay. <clears throat> um, which from what is described, I would imagine it's basically just Florida swamp. <laughs> Kinda. It's like murky, muddy water with weeds in it, and like I just I picture Florida. <laughs> a little outlet of a river that will eventually hit ocean. So it says it's typically either stagnant or slow flowing based on a seasonal basis and vegetation patterns in the slow are largely determined by death distribution and duration of the environment. So yeah, it's kind of that like those spots down in the glades that like don't move and have heavy vegeta- vegetation, hence the kayaks possibly getting stuck. Yeah. Okay. But um, Paul doesn't like the naturalists who want to conserve everything. um, And that's just, that's what Ricardo was doing. He was a conservationist. He wanted to learn about the environment and what was happening there. Kind of stuff like that. And that kind of piqued Lana's interest. (laughs) People like him would have actually been able to see, like, what can we do to benefit this area? Like, is this, they would have even made decisions like, um, are these tours um, damaging the flora and the fauna and things like that? So, I mean, they yeah. serve their purpose for sure. 
Um, as they're leaving the restaurant, the detectives show up to question Paul yet again. They agree to go back to the kayak shack. And Paul's like, I'm not going without Lana. And Lana's like, I'm going with Paul. Y'all can't stop me. I love that, though. She, like, starts acting sick and she, like, leans on him like she needs him when she really doesn't need anyone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> um, so they're questioning Paul again. And they find out that Paul had actually had a one night stand with someone named Tatiana. And that is why he was not at work Saturday night. And that is why Jack had to take out that bachelor party group. Uh Um, It's just very convenient that Tatiana had her boat parked out in the open water. So there's no registration required out there as long as it doesn't enter the slow. So Lana convinces the detectives to shadow Jack on Sunday when the shack reopens so that they can see what all goes into operating the shack and taking tours out and what all's involved in that. Her reasoning is that this will get the detectives off of Jack's back so that she will no longer be a suspect. Okay. I apologize on the pronunciation. I just turned it on really quick in my other ear. And it's slew. Slew? I don't like that. (laughs) I don't like that either. I could have sworn they said slow, but it's slew. Well, it's spelled S-L-O-U-G-H. It is. Listen, English words. Why? 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 <laughs> Which I've been saying that to the Czechs here lately too. Why? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's the slew. Okay. Sorry. You're fine. Um, so Lana gets back home. She's home all alone. Uh, let's see. She basically just stays in her bedroom the rest of the night. Um. She's up throughout the night again because she just like she's agitated and stressed about everything. So she gets up and she gets her binoculars again and looks out on the water and she sees someone with in a kayak with a duffel bag going down the water. And she makes a note of that on her legal pad because a legal pad makes it legit. Heck, yeah. If you ever taking notes on a legal pad, it makes you feel like, yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. So the next day, Beth wants to go to Mr. Rhodes's funeral. That's her patient that had passed away. And Jack and Lana are like, well, we want to go, too. So they all three load up and they head to the funeral. Excuse me. Uh, Let's see. While at the funeral, Lana makes a connection with a man named Victor. He was he's kind of the one in charge of running the whole conservation thing there. Mm -hmm. Um, Mr. Rhodes was a very wealthy landowner in the area, so he had been working with the conservationists. Um, There had been talks after his death of some, if not all, of the land going to the conservationists. Um, It was a very interesting dynamic there. We also find out that Ricardo had been working directly on Mr. Rhodes's ranch. Lana also makes friends with Mr. Rhodes's daughter, Diana. Who I thought genuinely was a little sus from the beginning. Same, same. She was she was one of my top suspects. Um, we find out through Diana that Ricardo had actually grown up on the ranch because his parents had worked at the ranch. Um, and Lana and Diana just kind of make vague plans to meet up in the future for a lunch or a drink or something. 
she sees a kindred spirit in her in this like she's the powerful businesswoman and they they kind of see that in each other. Yeah. <clears throat> While Lana is making those connections, Beth is talking to Mr. Rose's son. Mm-hmm. Um hey, Martin. Is that his name? I think so. Okay. <laughs> For some reason, I did not make a note of it there. I don't know why I didn't. Um, But they, Beth and Martin, make vague plans to have a not date date sometime in the near future. Yeah, it was strange. And then the three girls head home. I thought it was a weird interaction. But then again, I don't know what dating in your 30s is like. Thank God. So maybe that's normal. I have no idea. <laughs> Thank you. Let's see. The next, th- this is chapter 19. So we're about halfway through now. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack heads to the marina and she takes the tour with the detective so that they can see what's going on. Um, detective Ramirez during one of the tours, because I think she takes him out two or three times. Mm-hmm. Um, D- detective Ramirez, which is the woman. Uh, she reveals that Ricardo was actually killed on Friday and had been in the water a full 24 hours before he was found, which means Jack is no longer a suspect. Right, because she would have been busy. She would have not been available when he was murdered. Yes. So Jack goes... Jack goes home and she tells Beth and Lana. uh, Beth is thrilled because this means that they can put it all behind them um, Beth assumes that everything's in the clear, their life can go back to normal. And Lana's like, wait, there's a murder. We need to know who murdered him. Um, right. Lana's very, because very invested at this shack- point. Well, and if I remember at one point, they stopped kind of doing tours. And then Beth doesn't want Jack going to work because like, hey, first you were being accused. Now, now you know, Prima's right and there's this murderer on the loose. So like, they kind of get gung-ho about settling this because, I mean, again, she's wanting to buy this boat and hasn't told anybody. And if she doesn't have a job, she can't buy the boat. Yeah. Um, there was also, in each kayak, there's, like, a first aid kit, and it comes with various first aid items along with a flashlight. That stupid flashlight. <laughs> Um, the detect there was uh, there's supposed to be there were six kits, but there was only five lights. And Paul claims that he had just lost one and never replaced it. So Lana and Diana make plans to meet up. Lana kind of pesters Beth about meeting up with Martin. Um, it's if you literally just picture Emily and Lorelai having a little spat. Mm-hmm. That's what this is. Pretty much. Uh, yeah. So Beth and Martin, they go to an Arepa food truck in the marina. Oh, wait, no, that's the one that was closed. Just kidding. Where'd they end up going? Because they end up taking his Maserati. And Beth is like, ooh, this car's nice. She, well, she asks, like, can I drive? Um... I don't know. One time they go to like a really nice place or something, don't they? Yeah. 
Okay, so this date, they this is where they go to the hole in wall and get burritos. I don't know. I thought these dates were horrible. Yeah, they were they were not great dates. Like from either side, I'm not judging either of them. They were just horrible dates. Oh, I am judging one of them. <laughs> no, I am. Um. So let's see. Martin on one of these dates, Martin opens up about his relationship with his father. Um, Beth is telling Martin about the murder that happened. And somehow during all of that, it comes up that Paul was actually leasing some land from Mr. Rhodes for a quote, strawberry farm that nobody believed was actually a strawberry farm. If you get my drift. No, but what's funny is, so a few people are like, well, I've never actually seen any strawberries, but I don't know what he's doing over there. And I'm like, nobody went and looked. No, nobody. (laughs) All of you are like, I don't know what he's doing, but nobody went and looked. Well, and Beth comes away from this date and was like, there is no way Martin murdered Ricardo. Like, Martin oh, yeah, that's what she ends up going on the one. Lana convinces her, like, yeah. no, no, you need to go. We need to find out more information. I'm going to go meet with his sister. Like, we got to do this. Like, come on. But Beth is like, Martin is like a sweet guy. He's just here to deal with his family issues. Like, he's I not a murderer. This- well, I honestly, I don't think at this point, Beth actually still wanted in on their, like, on Lana and Jack's whole, like, let's let's figure out who did this. I think Beth still didn't want to be a part of it. So to yeah. her, I don't think she was really looking for a murderer. That's true. Are we spoiling, spoiling? Like, can I go ahead and say it? Well, see, I was going to ask. I, I was going to say let's get close to the end, but uh-huh. not reveal those last few chapters. Okay. <laughs> we can leave them on a cliffhanger. That way, if you guys actually want to read it, You can go and read it. Okay. (laughs) So the next day, Lana leaves to meet uh, Diana the next morning. And they're going to meet at like this fancy horse riding facility that you can tell is only for the really wealthy people. And Diana tells Lana. No, I wouldn't be there either. (laughs) Um, But Diana tells Lana that she has plans to turn her father's ranch into a wellness spa, basically. Um, It's going to have various recreational things like horseback riding, yoga, stuff like that, but also be an all-inclusive spa for like facials and massages. Something for rich people, basically. Yeah, but she also says she wants it for people to be able to come and heal. So I think she wants it as like a... Yeah, it's for rich people, but the way it was described, it was almost like people like Lana, for example, they need somewhere. They need to like go try to get better, I guess, is what I was kind of gathering. So, yeah, it was like healing, mental healing, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So I, I was here for it. I was like, oh, I want that. I want that. <laughs> but Diana says that if she can't get Martin to agree to that, Martin's her brother. Um, then the ranch will fall to Victor and the conservation research. So they either have to agree on what to do or the conservationists will come in and take everything. So after that, Lana leaves there and goes to meet Victor um, at his office, at his Mm -hmm. office building. Um, Victor 
is like basically singing Ricardo's praises. He's so sad that Ricardo is gone. And Victor hands Lana this binder full of Ricardo's projects that he'd been working on. While Lana is inspecting this binder, the fire alarm starts to go off in the building. She's in like their um like their archives, like their their office, and the door's gotten jammed. Yes. The fire alarm starts to go off. She tries every single exit point, but it seems like she is just locked in. I like how it specifically says designer stilettos. She uses her designer stilettos to break a window and she basically hoists herself out and she kind of just like collapses at the foot of a firefighter. They, the firemen had just shown up. I, I truly think a lot of this, once you get towards the end of the book, you realize like, I think her, her panic, like the time frame that she thought it was, was not actually the length of time in which it was. I think this whole panic set in. Well, and Lana wakes up in the hospital, Beth and Jack are there. Um, Victor had sent some flowers asking for forgiveness and the chance to fix things. He did not mean for Lana to get locked in that room. He feels guilty. She blames him. Yeah. Well, because she's like, someone locked me in that room. There's no way it's just jammed. Well, yeah, when she um, escapes, um, mm-hmm. before they send her to the hospital, when she escapes, because she passes out, I think, at that point, too. But, yeah. like, he comes and he's like, Lana, Lana. And she's like, basically, I don't think she actually, like, verbatim says this or anything, but she's like, it was you. Like, she, she thinks he locked her in there because she came to ask questions. Yes. The detectives come and question Lana after she's released from the hospital. Um, this is in relation to the fire, not the murder. But uh, it's the same detectives. Yeah. yeah. It was, it's a really small town, so the two detectives they have, they kind of work every case that comes up. Yeah, they had. My dad was one of them. He was fantastic. <laughs> <clears throat> they led on that they think it was arson. Um, they also tell Lana that it was not Ricardo who made the booking that Friday night for the kayak tour because he was already dead when the booking was made. Which I don't understand why they would have told her that because then like immediately a few paragraphs later, they're like, and we don't expect you to be a part of this investigation. Like, but yeah, they basically tell her like, keep your nose out of it. Like this doesn't have anything to do with you. You know, we cleared your granddaughter, like, why are you but they, snooping? Like, but they still tell but her. They give her information. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, da, da, da. I'm skipping over some stuff that wasn't really relevant. Like, it's relevant for their relationship stuff, but not for the actual plot. Yeah, of the book. there's there's a lot of things happening in the background, like Beth and Lana coming to terms with each other. They have some flashbacks to like when Lana told or Beth told Lana she was pregnant with Jack. Um, and like to, to kind of get you, gives you an understanding of like why they were estranged, what has gone through, but then they also kind of give you some flashbacks on like why Lana behaved that way and why Lana ended up becoming the self-made person she did after her husband passed. Um, cause he was in an accident. I think something so. happened yeah. to him. Yeah. So it, it was just, 
and something happened when like Beth was young. So it, it gives you like a clear understanding of each other where honestly, if they had just like talked to the other one or not like blown a gasket when this one told, told them this kind of thing, just yeah. very hallmark, like, well, a little hardcore, more hardcore than Hallmark, but it's that that quintessential trope of like if you had just sat down and discussed this a little bit better. Yeah. Um, let's see. The next morning, the school calls home and says that Jack never showed up for school, which is not something Jack ever does. She doesn't cut school or anything. Um they go on this really like they take all day and they finally find her. But to me, that whole plot line could have been erased because nothing really came from it. (laughs) Like Jack didn't discover anything the whole time she was gone. She had been out on the water and her kayak had gotten stuck in the mud and like they find her just covered in mud. And she's like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean for this to happen. She's like, like I thought I may, and maybe I followed this guy just to see if he knew anything. I, he didn't see me. I don't know who he was, but it was, it was, it it just felt, it felt very filler and nothing, nothing at all came from any of that. Uh, let's see. Mm. No, they ended up putting together what Martin really has been doing. Oh, did they? Is that when they figured that out? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Well, you say that because I don't remember that. Lana Lana figured it out because Jack does find something. I think Jack picks up something. Or the detectives do. Either way, that's how Lana ends up coming to the conclusion at the very end, after we figured out, because there's like another little thing when they figure something out, and she goes to Martin and she's like, I know what you're doing, and this is how I know. Blah, 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 blah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember that at all. I'm sorry. But it's not, it's not, <laughs> well, no, it's, it clearly was not like hugely significant, but it does add to her being like, mm-hmm. no, I know what's oh, okay. going on here. Okay. Well, Lana goes and talks to Diana again. Um, They basically talk about Diana's past and growing up with Ricardo and stuff like that. Um, And then Lana's having these inner thoughts of would Victor be capable of murder if he knew of the connections between Ricardo and Mr. Rhodes was was Ricardo working behind Mr. Rhodes's back. Like she's just kind of questioning everything and how it's all related. Mm -hmm. Um, Jack has a career fair at school. And she runs into Detective Ramirez. She's the female detective. Um, they talk and they agree to meet at the marina in 20 minutes. Because it, the school's basically over at that point. The detectives have a search warrant to search the kayak shack. And they want Jack to say if anything is missing or out of place. Because um, if I'm not mistaken, Martin cannot be found at this point. Like, no one. He's, like, stopped answering anyone. Like, well, or not Martin, he, the, uh, the guy, Paul, Paul, excuse me, Yes. when Lana confronts Paul. So I said the wrong name a few seconds ago as well. Paul, the the guy that owns the shack. Yeah. When, when Lana confronts Paul later is something from when you were like, I don't remember that. And Paul is who I was talking about. Like, that's oh, why they okay. want, that's why they want Jack to like show them like, is anything missing? Because this is, I think this is at the point in the book where, um, 
Paul is still being kind of like thought of as a suspect or is a suspect and he is not responding to anyone. Like no one knows yeah. what's going on with him. He hasn't shown up to work at the shack in a few days. His phone is either off or he's just not answering. No one knows where he is. Um, he, If right. I'm not mistaken, he also like kind of lives at the shack. Like that's his house and his business. <clears throat> so he's just completely not there. I think he's a van life dude. Yeah. So they have a search warrant to search the kayak shack. They want Jack to say if anything is missing or out of place. Um, they do find a bike hidden in a pile of life vests that Jack is certain she has seen before. She saw it the morning that she discovered Ricardo. And it was tied up there just in the marina. Lana and Jack tell Detective Ramirez about their theory that... Somehow, the murder of Ricardo and Mr. Rhodes' death are connected. And they think it's because of the whole who's going to get the land and what's going to be done with the land. Yeah. So their working theory is someone wanted the land, but who and who would go so far as murder for that land? Ramirez is like, that's a cool theory. I just need proof. Uh, Beth and Martin meet up for a beer. They start dancing, and then Beth eventually gives him an envelope that was at the nursing home in his dad's stuff, and it was plans for a compound on the ranch. Yeah, it had gotten mailed to him. That whole mailroom, the little mailroom lady, was kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. But I hated when she's, like, in her monologuing, like, should I give it to him, should I not? And I was like, no, girl, no. Um, do they ever listen to me? No. No, they don't. Well, it turns out Lana had a copy of those plans. And she was adding it to her investigation, basically. Lana takes Beth some lunch at work the next day. And she asks if Mr. Rhodes had had any visitors over the last few weeks. And it turns out that there had been a consistent rotation between Diana, Ricardo, and Victor. Not Martin, just Diana, Victor, and Ricardo. Yeah, because Martin does something in this. He works in, like, San Francisco or something. He's, like, an IT. He's, like, he's part of the IT boom guys, like, if I remember correctly. Like, he's, it's computer stuff. And then Lana goes and talks to Gabby, who is Victor's secretary. Gabby says that Ricardo biked absolutely everywhere. He was a huge bicyclist. And she thinks that he had a, quote, special someone because he always came in late on Thursdays. And he would also leave a different direction to go to his house on Wednesdays. Um, Lana, sir... Lana has a theory that Ricardo and Diana were secretly seeing each other. And now Lana has two suspects, Victor and Diana. Victor, who loved Ricardo as a son, and Diana, who loved Ricardo as a lover. Those are her theories, working theories. Her theories in her mind cracked me up, though. Um, once again, Lana and Jack are watching the news later that night and they see a picture of Ricardo on his bike and Jack is like, wait, that's the bike at the shack that they discovered under the life vest. So we now know that it was Ricardo's bike 
that had been abandoned at the marina. The detectives tell Lana and Jack that they uh, will be arresting Paul for Ricardo's murder. They 100% think it was Paul. They found a button on the land for his strawberry farm that belonged to Ricardo's jacket that he was wearing. So that's their evidence for taking Paul in. But at this point, Paul is still missing. No one knows where Paul is. Um, Lana talks to Victor, and Victor was fully aware of Ricardo and Diana's relationship. However, he instructs Lana to talk to Diana about her, in quotes, Duke, whatever that means. Lana has no idea what Victor means by Duke. The next morning, Jack calls Lana from the library. She had been doing some research, and we found out that Diana had a fiancé in England who was a Duke, and he had died in his sleep. Lana's like, ooh, good information. So she Maybe has she a... killed him too. Yeah. Is she like a serial killer now at this point? So Lana then calls Diana, and Diana's like, hey, I really need your help with this presentation for Martin so that we can agree on what to do with this land. And Lana's like, yeah, sure. Anything to help a woman entrepreneur. And then Martin calls Beth. And asks Beth to go to the presentation in his stead because he has to go back to L.A. And after some convincing, Beth agrees. But she's like, I'm going to bring Jack. (laughs) So this next part, it gives me the giggles. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So Lana figures out that Scotty, who is the owner of the restaurant at the marina was in a business with Paul together. Mm-hmm. It's a quote business because it's the pot business. <laughs> and that was what they had planted on that land, not yeah. strawberries. It was the reefer. But once Ricardo had shown up dead, Paul was like, crap, there's going to be police crawling around here. I got to move the I got to move the plants. Get them all out of here. <laughs> so he has literally spent, it's been what, a week at this point? Oh, he's He's been like missing for like a week. <laughs> he has spent the last week digging up all of these plants and creating this like makeshift greenhouse in the back of a storage room and repotting them to keep them growing. And Lana walks in and he's literally just like cuddling these plants. <laughs> Well, well, she shows up to the restaurant, which they've been to this restaurant a few times. So Scott is a character that we've been introduced already. And she shows up and she starts talking to Scott. He's like, we're closed. And she's like, yeah, 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 whatever. Like, I know what you're doing. And he has like all this armful of like lamp, like grow lamps and stuff. And she's like, just take me to Paul right now. Like, I know what you're doing. Like, and so she gets downstairs and, and I love when Paul like flips out on Scott and he's like, she made me. <laughs> she already knew. I she I couldn't. Oh. It's like Lana's like ability to like get people to tell them. She's he's like she made me. Like I love that part so much. Um, but I think I'm gonna end it there because okay. after this, 
you kind of like the the next couple of chapters it goes by super fast like the plot like really comes to a head and stuff happens and you find out who actually was doing what so if you're comfortable with it i'm comfortable stopping there i'm okay with that i will just say if you choose to read this book i need to know at what point you were like "Mm -hmm, it's this person (laughs) because i was screaming screaming at my book multiple times <laughs> yeah I gave it a solid three I might give it three and a half like Miranda said um it just it was not a four star for me all the way I I enjoyed it I don't think I would read it again I would recommend it to the cor- to the right person like if I knew um if I knew a person's taste in books and I felt like it was a good recommendation for them, I would probably recommend recommend it, recommend it. <laughs> but I don't think I'm reading it again. And if for some reason she's, she was like book two, I'd be like, mm. I will say I hate the title for this book though. I the title, it does not make sense. There is one thing that happens in the book. Where they talk about how they used to, on a certain night a week, excuse me, Beth and Jack would sit down and watch, I think, mystery movies, specifically, or murder mystery. I don't remember. Yeah, something like that. But but that was like their night, and they called it like murder movie night or something like that. Movie murder night. I don't know. Right? I don't remember. But, but like Miranda said, it's only mentioned like the one time. It's like one time and they bring it up and then Lana's like, well, I want to be part of that too. And then like they never talk about it again. And I'm like, you got the title of this book from this one scene that honestly is kind of like you could have not put it in there. Yeah. Other than you're trying to show like how close. Jack and Beth always were compared to her and Lana, and now Lana's trying to be a part of it. But other than that, like, doesn't. Which I honestly don't know what I would have called it, like, now that I've read it, but I would not have called it Mother Daughter Murder Night. (laughs) I wouldn't have called it. No, because with that title and then that opening sequence that, like, serves no purpose whatsoever, um, you would have thought it would have been something else. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what title. Let me think on that. I'll, I'll get back to you guys. <laughs> but it's definitely not mother daughter murder night because this mother and daughter not be murdering anybody. That was the whole point is that they didn't murder anybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Go read it, guys. Um, like we said, we'll recommend it to the right person. So if you want, it's a it's a good whodunit. Um, it does yeah. it it goes over family dynamics. It does. It does. It's, there it's not a thriller. Don't go into it thinking it's a thriller. Because I I thought it was. I don't know why I thought it was, but I thought it was. Well, because on Goodreads, it lists it as mystery thriller. That's the the third genre tag. Suspense, yes. Heartwarming, yes. Um, I just, 
Mm. Hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry, Nina Simon. You're probably a great author. I mean, you put words in a book and sold them. I haven't done that, so there's that. Um, I do understand why she wrote about mothers and daughters. Apparently, as she, um, her and her mother both enjoy reading mysteries. Um, so Nina wrote and her mom would read and critique and then Nina would fix. So even though her mother isn't the author of the book, they did this together. So there's that. Um, I was trying to see if she'd written anything else. She's written two nonfiction books. Um, she wrote this book in 2020 when her mom was diagnosed with advanced cancer, which led Nina to quit her job to care for her. So I guess there probably is a lot of her and her mother in this book. I hope they had, they weren't estranged like that, but um, it says today her mom is doing well, and you can find Mother Daughter Murder Night in a bookstore near you. Nina now lives in Santa Cruz Mountains with her family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yay! Clap, 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 clap. Oh, she was a NASA engineer. Ooh, fancy. She was a NASA engineer, uh, a slam poet, a game designer. A museum director and nonprofit for CEO. That makes sense why a lot of things in this book. There's nonprofits discuss. Okay. <laughs> she threw all, right. all of her careers into one book. <laughs> she threw everything she knew. She said, I know this. I'm going to write about this. <laughs> She refers to her book as a big-hearted whodunit. I like her description better. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Well, this was technically a new purchase for us. Both of us had to acquire this book in some form uh, to read it for this month. But I feel like it's probably not the only acquisition that we made. Or maybe it was. Do you have any other recent reads or acquisitions you would like to tell the good folks about? I will go over my acquisitions first, just because there are not a lot this time. Um, We've already mentioned Iron Flame by Mm -hmm. Rebecca Yaros. It is the second Mm -hmm. book in the Fourth Wing series. Got it. Read it in less than 36 hours. (laughs) Uh, And let me tell you. Because we've chosen it is thick. Um, she so mm-hmm. Not only is it 623 pages, but the font mm-hmm. is tiny. Like, I don't know why they chose such small font, but I dang. I love on the Kindle you can make it um, um, Another. I'm not to spoil this, but I just have to tell you guys really quick since she brought the book up. My favorite thing about reading this book is... Um, we have a little friend group, shall we say, that we have created. Some people I know, some people I don't know. And Bianca brought us all together. And Bianca read the book a little bit later than the rest of us because of, like, work and stuff. Um, and not that much later. But, like, we'd already all read it. 
And my it was a favorite, week later, guys. Favorite a whole thing. week. It was steel. Okay, but we had finished it already. But my favorite thing about this is, and I think I loved that she read it after us because the commentary we got <laughs> as she would hit like a good point, like a plot, like mm, was just like Chef's Kiss, the best thing in the world. The chat would be super quiet for like a couple of hours. And then I would just send a random message and be like, Sawyer, yes, do it. (laughs) Or like the one you sent, which spoils absolutely nothing. But I think we're, I think one of them you sent just said, and Darna, like in all caps. (laughs) And I love that all of us knew what you were talking about. But you were like, no. And then you were like, why is selling so? Listen, guys, get you a friend group that someone reads the book just a little delayed from everyone else and have them comment on it because it is I was living (laughs) for it. Living. I had a good time reading it. So (laughs) you you ask a question at one point and I privately messaged Hope and I was like, oh, my God. We know, like we. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to spoil it, but I don't need her to like. <laughs> anyway, it was the best. Um, it's the best. Get get you someone that does that because it's it's phenomenal. Um, and I had one of my pre-orders that I I looked in my email. I pre-ordered this last year. Whenever Is this the one she, you're like, I totally forgot. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> it's literally been over a year. Um, but it's Nightbane by Alex Astor. It is the sequel to yes. um, Lightlark. I have not started it yet because I want to reread Lightlark before I dive into this because it has been a hot minute since I read Lightlark. I read Lightlark last year, so. I think I read it last year. I honestly don't remember. Wait, but I know I read it last it. year or was it early this year? No, it was early this year. When did I read it? Hold on. I'm going to say, I don't know. Now I got to go to, now I need Goodreads. To I'm pretty me. sure I read mine last year. Yeah, because it's not on this year's. I need Goodreads to get my life together right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I read it last year. So I want to reread Light Lart before I dive into Nightbane, Nightbane, but this cover is absolutely gorgeous, mm-hmm. and I got the Barnes & Noble exclusive edition, so I get extra content. They have some it, good exclusive editions. It comes with a map, and the book Under the Dust Jacket is absolutely gorgeous. I am so excited. Mm-hmm. I cannot contain my excitement. Um, so those were my acquisitions. Evidently, I've already read one of them. Okay. But here are some, excuse me, some of the books that I have read since we last recorded. One of them you've read. I have. Is, uh uh-huh, The Golden Spoon by Jessa Maxwell. Oh, yes. I read it. I read the whole thing today. (laughs) It's a quick read, yeah. Yeah, it was was very short. It's Mm -hmm. only, like, 250 pages, and Mm -hmm. it's one of those books where the chapters, like, the chap the chapter starts on the next page. So if the chapter before it ends, like yeah, yeah, you like basically it, just get a whole page cut off. Yeah, you get like a whole <clears throat> empty page basically. Yeah, yeah. So it was a really quick read. I gave it a solid three stars, I think. Um 
it was it was just really quick. It introduced characters super fast. I could have. Mm-hmm. It does. For for once, I wanted more details. I did not get the details that I needed. But it's another whodunit. Um, but it's set to like a baking show. So that part was pretty like cool. Great British Bake Off meets whodunit. It was pretty good. It was really yeah. good. I think I gave it five stars. Um, another one I read yeah, I is I- Flower Heart by Catherine Bakewell. Oh, um, this one. I didn't care for it too much. Um, it had a good story. And I don't know mm-hmm. how to explain it beyond while I was reading it. All I could picture was it being a really good like cartoon or anime or something like that. Um, okay. Like a Kiki's Delivery Service or something? Yeah, kind of sort of. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it was... It kept repeating itself a lot. Like the main girl, she has the same mm-hmm. trepidations throughout the whole book. There was no real like development there. Um, but the cover is mm. gorgeous. If y'all look up the cover of this book, it is phenomenal. And that's what made me pick it up. That's what oh, that's what drove me to it when I first found it. Uh, I don't remember when, but I saw the cover because it was also like it was recommended to me because when I was reading the House Witch books by Delamock, it was like, you would like this. And I was like, that is gorgeous. It is. It is very pretty. Um, it was a cute, easy read. It's about a daughter who wants to save her father um, and magic is involved. So if that sounds like something you'd enjoy, I'd probably recommend it to you. Maybe I just mm-hmm. wasn't in the mood for it. I, I still give it three stars, which is not. Great, but it's not bad. It's right there in the middle. It um, it definitely sounds like a book that I would be interested in. The last one I will mention is House of Hollow by Crystal Sutherland. Mm-hmm. Um, what did I rate this one? I think I gave it four stars. Yes, I gave it four stars. Um, this is a teenage horror book. Um. It is. I will say this straight up. It is not for everybody. There is body horror in here. There are quite a few curse words. Um, stuff like that's not normally in YA stuff. That's why I want to bring it up. But the story is really unique. It's about three sisters who, um, when they were really little, they were walking. It takes place in London. They are walking down the street with their parents their parents literally like are just facing each other to talk to each other for a second. And the next second, their daughters have literally disappeared. Um, no one's around them. They weren't kidnapped. They have literally just disappeared. They show up a month later in the same exact spot where they disappeared from. Um, they're naked, but they're not harmed and their eyes are different. Um, they also have changelings. <clears throat> They have also acquired, I don't want to say superpowers or like magical powers, but each of the girls has something that they can use and they kind of go on a quest to find out what actually happened when they were little and how it's affecting them now. And uh, it was a unique story. I would Hmm. be interested to read something else from this author just to see. If their other books are just as strange. 
Mm-hmm. It is it is definitely a strange and unique story. <clears throat> if you read this, Miranda, you will cry. Just a heads up. You said that about a book that I have like three chapters left in today and I didn't cry. Yeah. What book was it? Songbirds. No, I said Brittany would cry. Oh, I, when you said you would cry, I assumed you meant me too because you know I usually cry at everything. I hate this. No, I knew thing, you though. wouldn't cry at that. No. I didn't cry. No. No, Brittany will. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what that says about me, but I cry at everything else. I don't cry at books very often. I really don't. I did cry at one of mine on my list, though. It's okay. <laughs> well, what are some of your recent reads and acquisitions? Um. So- so I actually put this book on our TikTok um, when it came in because I had been waiting forever. This was the unfortunate side effects of Heartbreak and Magic by Brianne Randall. If you remember, she's the lady that um, like basically did all of her like, marketing herself and like it blew up before it was even out. Um, so she kind of did a Rebecca Yaros, but not, but hers was different. Like she just marketed that well herself. It's coined as for fans of Practical Magic and Gilmore Girls. Um, it It is. It is Gilmore Girls. It is Practical Magic. It is so many things. And I loved this book so much that I actually sat down and took the time to write a letter to this author in regards to what this book meant to me. Um, There were so many times in this book where I felt like she was talking to me about me. Like there were so many different things that reminded me of like my relationship with my grandmother or my other grandmother or just, oh, it's fantastic. It's fantasy. It's romance. It's witches. It's Halloween. It's magic. It's like not real magic. I I don't know. Um, Sadie Rivellar has always believed that the curse of four heartbreaks that accompanies her magic would be worth the price. When her grandmother's diagnosed with cancer with only weeks to live and her first heartbreak, Jake McNeely returns to town after a decade. Her carefully structured life begins to unravel. Um Grandma's recipes are in this book as well. Oh, I love when they. It's do that. just there. She really took time to make sure that the information she provided was incorrect. Or I mean, was correct when she wrote about certain things. She talks about like what um, different. Um, herbs and stuff and how they can help you and heal you and make you more confident and this I I did I I cried numerous times during this book it just I don't know I I don't think there's a book too I think this is literally like a standalone don't think it's a series or anything like that I see where she could easily write more books in this world um I I wish I had talked about it last time, but like I just got so sidetracked. This this book meant so much to me. It just came out in September. It took a while to reach me because of um, overseas shipping kind of thing. Highly highly recommend. It's like 322 pages. This probably 
I, I can't say yet because I've not finished the year, but usually you and I pick like what was our what was the book of the year. This 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 may be it. This well, I'm happy for you. It's a fantastic book. I think you would really love it as well. I do. Thank you. It's so far, my book of the year is beautiful. Iron Flame. <laughs> I would, I, well, I was, I was struggling because, you know, I've got Legends and Lattes that I cared so much about and the whole Delamock, uh, House Witch series, but the, I think this one's going to be it. It's just, Chef's Kiss, Brian Randall, you're amazing. Oh, and, and she responds to people, which, what? I love when authors do that. No, right? It makes me feel... I don't know what it makes, makes you feel. Makes you feel like you um, have a connection. Right. It makes you feel like you matter. Like your money you spent on that book and your time you spent reading that book mattered to the person that, that created it. As cheesy as that sounds. It does. It makes you feel like your purchase mattered, basically. So. Um, the next book I acquired, didn't purchase. It's through an app. It's like a... Uh, fanfic app this unhinged hot mess called beauty and the lichen beast okay i swear to god i think an ai wrote this and not very well i'm sorry jessica molly if you're a real person and not ai and you put a lot of con yeah yeah two stars how do you i can't find it beauty and the lichen beast is it on goodreads mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. i read it go go look at my books i've read this year i spell lichen <laughs> l-y-c-a-n like wolf oh. like werewolf like ow! that's why i couldn't find it <laughs> Like a lichen, oh, like a I remember. You, yeah, I remember seeing it now. Okay. <laughs> this unhinged hot mess was a waste of 459 pages of my life. Oh, that's that's a lot of pages. That's a lot of pages. Concept. Okay, I'm here for it. It is a paranormal romance. Uh, follows the story of Sierra, a woman who has been chosen as the mate of the feared lichen beast William. At uh, first, she's very afraid of him. But, like, listen, we all know I will read some questionable stuff, right? <laughs> so I knew going into this that, like, she was going to be made to him pretty quickly. And, like, there was going to be a whole thing. And there's going to be, like, a Bianca no-no about chicka wow wows. Like, I know. <laughs> I know what I'm getting into. This piece of... I've never called a book garbage. Oh, my God, Miranda, don't. I really think. Give me two gripes. It seriously felt like AI wrote it. Like, it it was not. Hang on. Where's my phone? It's on an app. You have to you have to read it. It's called Kiss. That should have been my first. <laughs> it's like a fanfic app, which, okay, fine, because that happens. But let me just, let me, let me pull this up here. It, 
doesn't make sense. It like never. Well, like I'm looking at a couple of the other reviews on it on Goodreads. Mm -hmm. um, one person says the chapters repeat. The time skips make no sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what seems like months is only a couple of days. Yeah. The entire book is just throwing one bad thing after the other at the main female character. All the women are villains. It was really confusing and depressing. <laughs> it was. It just. It's like. If you're looking for a book that will make you feel angry, happy, and sad, this book is for you. <laughs> Pretty much. So this is, I'm trying to get back to the, I'm trying to get back, I want to go all the way back to like, I should have known something. So here's the first thing, is every chapter is like, Sierra POV. I hate that. I hate that. I don't know why I hate that, but I hate that. Why, why couldn't she just say Sierra? I don't know. It literally says Sierra POV. I'm like, okay. Sounds um, like they need to learn editing. Again, yeah, I think AI could have maybe done a better job. Um, but it was like um, in, in quotations, right? So we know it's her POV. So I don't need what she's saying in, in, in quotes, right? I could not believe what had just happened. Am I dreaming? Was it all this true? I thought to myself, overwhelmed by the events of the day. Okay, why? I I know I know what you're thinking to yourself, and you're talking to yourself, and it's your POV. So why 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 is it anyway? As I sat on my bed, I gazed out the window at the full moon. Its silver light spilled into my room, casting long shadows on the walls. I could smell the scent of freshly cut grass wafting in from the garden, a reminder of the world outside. My mother had been crying her eyes out all night, her tears staining the collar of her blouse. She'd never imagined that I could be a mate to a lichen alpha. She blamed herself for letting me leave home for school. In the silence of my room, I could hear a faint sound of crickets chirping outside. Their song was a bittersweet melody. As a reminder of the fleeting nature of my life, my thoughts were consumed by the alpha's words. What? <laughs> And then it goes in quotations. I will be coming in three days time. So be ready, mate. Who the fuck? Miranda. I leave that bad word out. But <laughs> and I finished this crap. <laughs> what happened to this being the year that I would DNF a book real quick? <laughs> no, you went almost 500 pages. <laughs> And this is was published this year. Uh, uh, yeah, Jessica Molly on Goodreads. And that's like her only work. And I know there's big controversy right now as to like the plethora of AI writing books or books that have been written by AI rather. So I do, I do wonder. It has an average rating of 2.75. So... At least no money was spent on this. <laughs> well, do you have another one you can tell us about that you were felt feel better about? Yes, I do. I read the newest Geneva Rose. Oh, which one was that one? So this is the one where it is not a murder mystery this time at all. It is actually a rom-com. Uh, 
just a second before I get this title wrong. <sighs> of course, Goodreads wants to like lock up right this second. It's a date again. A date again. This is the one where um, the lady goes into a coma. She's love struck. Um, basically, it says a guy told me he loved me tonight. Peyton Sanders hopes it's not too late to say it back. Done with dead in relationships and swiping right. She knows finally who her heart belongs to. But as she races to tell him how she feels, she's hit by a car and then wakes up with amnesia. It gets worse. Though Peyton has no clue who she is or the three men who have showed up at her hospital bed, except they each claim to be her boyfriend. They're certainly worth remembering a rustic looking contractor, heaven in flannel, a tailored consultant with a smile to die for and a tattooed chef with a box of homemade chocolates. Both delicious. Peyton's friends, Maya and Robbie, have an idea. Date each of them again. Recognizing her soulmate should be easy as one, two, three. So this wildly romantic and dizzyingly funny journey, Peyton runs once again towards love. This time, hopefully her heart can guide her where her mind cannot. Um, I feel bad because Geneva has a 3.85 on Goodreads for this book. I gave it four stars. Quick read, 248 pages. Just came out in October, uh, October 24th. Of, so very recent. If you have Kindle Unlimited, it's free throwing that out there I really I really liked it I thought it was cute but I knew at one point I was like oh she did it again there's something that happens hospital wise that made me stop and go Geneva dear that's not how this works (laughs) that's not how any of this works it's one of those things that if you were watching it as a Hallmark movie, you'd be like plausible because it's Hallmark, right? Like, yeah. yeah. But it's yeah. So she did it again, but it honestly, it's a it's minor. It's it's very minor. It's like a one time thing, and I was like, but it's very cute. I did pretty quickly figure out who. The guy, because it opens, this doesn't spoil anything, it opens where she's, um, like, walking home, and she's, like, talking to herself about, like, you know, this person had just told her that she, you know, he loved her, but she didn't feel that way, and she stops to talk to someone, and the person basically, like, says something to her that makes her go, oh, crap. And she realizes, like, I was lying. I do, I do love this guy. I am in love with him. Like, he, he's my end game. And she goes to take off, like, back to his house. Like, she doesn't want to, like, call him. Like, she wants to go back and be like, I was wrong. I'm dumb. I absolutely love you. I love you, too. Um, but you don't know who it is. She never says the guy's name. She's just walking you through her thoughts, right, without ever saying the person's name. And so when these three guys show up at first, you're like, oh, what? And you're like, maybe it was this one. But then pretty quickly, I'd say chapter two or three, I was like, mm, I know who it is. And I was right. I was glad I was right because that was the only man for her in that book. <laughs> Hands down. He was the first. Does it have uh, Bianca No No Times? It does not have Bianca No No Times. Uh, everything is like closed door, chased kiss, 
because that's her thing is she's been in and she's she's got amnesia so she doesn't even like when she wakes up she doesn't even know who she is there's things that she talks about where she's like and it's true for amnesia like she knows she's like that's a chair I'm in a hospital but like I don't know who you are like her best friends are standing there she's like I don't know who you are and she's like wait I don't know who I am um but like she knows like she can talk and like that's a chair that's a hospital you're a doctor um but yeah, no, it's so she she doesn't want to go fast because she doesn't know these people. She doesn't know herself. So it's very chaste. Um, there's mention of like maybe these people slept together, but it's all closed door stuff that happens. So I no. might give it a try. I think you should. I think 3.85 is a little harsh judgment. I don't know. 3.85 is not bad. And it is her first... It is her first rom-com. Um, I did you see her TikTok um, where somebody like reviewed it and they were like loved the twist or hated the twist, loved the twist, and she's like, "What are you talking about? It's a rom-com. There is no twist." <laughs> there kind kind is though, actually. Kind. I'm um, like oh. she rated she rated it herself. She said rating this five stars because I had fun writing it. <laughs> And, and you know what? As an author, you should. You should. <laughs> um, I thought it was really good. Um, she says she got attached to some of the characters and wishes they were real. Girl, I finished this book and thought it, it should be a movie. That's adorable. Like, Hallmark should definitely. Like, it makes. It's a great concept. I mean, it's fantastic. It gave me a while you were sleeping vibes. Okay. Okay. I used to love that movie. I watched it so much. Um, I, you know, Geneva's now one click for me. Like, I have some gripes about her, but I think that's the thing, right? Is I, It's hard for any author to be entirely perfect, right? Yeah. But Geneva is now my one click clean. Like, she has become, like, I consume myself with anything Geneva. I, I think I have two more books. She has, like, a series that only has two books in it right now. I think that's all I have left to read of hers. <clears throat> so, I recommend her. I know if you are not new here, you were here for the whole perfect marriage um, debacle. <laughs> <laughs> I would still recommend that was our February 2023 episode. If anyone wants to go back and listen, she posted um, chapter one. uh, She posted like the first chunk of it's like the first paragraph or two of chapter one of the sequel to that book. Oh, nice. Sequel of Perfect Perfect Marriage, like yesterday or today or something. Well, if you want to follow us and see what we post. Mm hmm. Um, you can get us on Instagram. We are mm-hmm. Bells with Books Podcast. Um, that is also where you can find the change.org sign up for helping get Shadow and Bone back. Um, you can also well, follow me personally on Instagram. I am at Style and Freak. Mm-hmm. I post random stuff. You'll it's a good time. Come follow. And then follow us on our TikTok. We are Bells W Books Pod I fixed over it. there. It let me oh, fix you did? It. I got to fix it. Yes. Maybe we that's are... why it logged me out then. It shouldn't have, but we are Bells with Books. We are Bells with Books. 
Yay! It let me fix it. And I still don't know what happened on the day that it decided we weren't that name. But, uh, yes, we are now officially on the TikTok uh, Bells with Books pod. Yay! Yay! It let me fix it. And then, of course, look up anything else that you see on the Place to Be Nation feed. Yes. Yeah, good peeps over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got lots of stuff. We even have the Place to Be Facebook group. Right now, we still are working our way through our music. Uh, it's a song tournament. Pretty awesome. Steve puts a lot of work into that. Of course, you can follow um, not just Bianca or the podcast, but you can also follow me um, on Instagram and TikTok. I am at Moms Nerd. A lot of it has to do with living as an American in overseas countries. Um, and sometimes it's just complete random because I am a random person. We will also make sure the link for Blackwell's, that UK um, book ordering website, will be up on our socials as well. So you can peruse and enjoy them. And check the show notes for that link. I will post yeah. it there along with any books that we mentioned in this episode. Yeah. If you never check the note, show notes, please do. That's where Bianca makes a complete list catalog of it's usually in order of what we say um of the books mentioned so again like she said before if you're driving or something like that don't be trying to take notes just come to our notes because she does a great job of them for you um of course we come to you once a month so until next time keep reading